you know, kids sort of follow that natural bodily thing that goes on where you say, oh, I've had enough of that and I really need something good now. As adults, I think we ignore that a little bit and we just keep giving into whatever our patterns are or cravings for more artificial things, perhaps. That was Drina Burton, and this is episode 27 of the Name Me Marley podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Namely Marley podcast. I'm your host, Marley. The goal of this podcast is to focus on adding a little creative, healthy, and passion-filled living to your day every day. Today I'm talking with Drina Burton with the site Plant Powered Kitchen. She's also the author of the book Plant Powered Families. So if you're committed to eating a vegan diet, how do you bring your family along? Do you ever think about that? How can you get your kids to eat more veggies? Even if you're not, you know, into the vegan thing, if you just want your kids to eat more veggies, how do you make that happen? I know I struggled a lot with this when Addie was little. I was vegetarian at the time and, you know, she was living her regular life, going to school, going back and forth from her dad's, uh, and he wasn't vegetarian and still isn't. Um, And so I was just worried about the confusion that she might feel about her diet. But then later she did decide to go on a vegetarian diet uh, for herself. And so she and I were on the same page at that point. And that was great. But then there was the issue of her friends um, when they would come over and they would ask things like, why are you vegetarian? It was hard for me to find the right answer that didn't feel like I was proselytizing or something like that. So these are all the kinds of issues I think that uh, when you're vegetarian or when you're vegan or if you have some kind of special diet and you've got kids involved and or even even if you just want your kids to eat more veggies, I think there's always, you know, concerns about those kinds of things. And so that's why I reached out to Drina, because she has this book about uh, plant-powered families, and she has kids of her own, a lot of them. (laughs) And so um, she's really been through this on many levels. And so she has some great advice for parents trying to get their kids involved in the kitchen and eating more plant-based foods. So we talk about that. We talk about using veganism also as an approach for weight loss. As much as I'd love to be able to say that giving up meat and dairy is the secret sauce to losing weight, there are a lot of foods that are vegan, like Oreos and potato chips and French fries, all those kinds of things. And and now there's even like a lot of um, products that are out there that, you know, Uh, make vegetarian and vegan diet um, oh so delicious (laughs) and so you know just um, just going vegan is not necessarily the answer to weight loss but Drina does share about her perspective for eating plant-based and how that can help most people reach a natural balance with their weight so it's a very good discussion I really enjoyed it in fact I enjoyed it so much let's get straight to it here's today's feature interview with Drina Burton Hey everyone, I'm happy to have Drina Burton, author of the site, The Plant Powered Kitchen, and her latest book is Plant Powered Families. Drina, welcome to the Namely Marley podcast. Thank you for having me. It's so good to just actually chat in real life. And yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm really looking forward to talking with you. You know, particularly we're going to talk about plant powered families and the kind of struggles that go along with that. But um, first, I'd love it if you could take a moment and just give a little bit of your background. Like, you know, um, maybe you can talk about how it is that you became vegan. Sure. It was a kind of a journey for me. I mean, I've been vegan for 20 years. So I Started in my teens exploring the connection of red meat to like how I was feeling in health and doing mm-hmm. some research. Um, at that time, I was I started reading and I came across uh, John Robbins' book mm-hmm. Diet for New America and Fit for Life, which was it's not vegan. Uh, actually, it is. It does talk about plant based foods, yeah. but it's more of like a food combining book. So at that time, I was just sort of reading and making the the links between health, and I was not feeling good at in my late teens and in my twenties. And I started to remove uh, the red meat, and then back then it was kind of like red meat was the only bad thing to eat, and then yeah. you kind of remove things gradually. So I moved on to removing poultry and and then fish and then dairy so it was very much a process for me and vegan was not a well-known term then I mean I could find some information about it but I mean the internet wasn't even very 
Well, when I started eating vegan, yeah, there wasn't really the internet. <laughs> God, it seems like a long time ago. I'm really <laughs> aging myself here. <laughs> oh my gosh. So <laughs> that's scary. Um, so I did research and, you know, find some information, but over time, like as I got more comfortable with it, I really became far more aware of the connection between eating this way and everything, like the whole connection with animal agriculture and the environment and health and it all just kind of like pieced together for me. I felt much better personally. And so for me, it was just one of those things that I say, hey, this feels right. My body feels good. And my husband was doing it like we weren't married at the time, but we just kind of went through the phases together. And yeah, so then we started our, you know, life together and having kids and with every, I sort of feel like with every stage in our lives, I've learned a little bit more and yeah. kind of incorporated a bit more. But that was it. It started from a health point of view. And then I, once I learned more about the animal agriculture that we unfortunately have in our uh, world, yeah. it was just, yeah, I couldn't even look back. It was terrifying and horrible and all those things. So, yeah. It's funny, you and I share a similar story then because I... Honestly, I went vegetarian because I just thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, pure vanity. But then I uh, I went vegan because I noticed that as I gave up things, I started to feel a lot better. I mean, I had, I realized I had uh, lactose intolerance and so gave up milk and I don't know, it was just like one thing after another. And, and then I read that book by John Robbins too. And I, mm -hmm. I never even thought about it from the animal's perspective. I thought, well, I'm not eating meat. So so I'm 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 supporting animals here, <laughs> right? You don't realize that yeah. you know the dairy animals how they're treated and how what happens to them when they're done you know being productive yes. producing milk. Yeah, yeah, it's like a light goes off, and that whole dairy connection. When you realize, I think people don't realize that cows are not always lactating <laughs> there's, yes. there's a way that they have to keep lactating to produce this milk and once they see what goes on in that field of right. uh, dairy production it's it's pretty horrific so yeah my uncle had a dairy farm so I actually grew up around that and um, but, and you know he had a small farm and he you know it took really good care of all of his animals <laughs> and so it's easy to kind of think that all Farms are like that, but they're not. Yeah, no, and that's really the the very uh, minority of what's going yeah. on, right? And there might be people doing it that way, and they have, you know, a different way of operating. But it certainly isn't how most of us are functioning, and the the food that most people are eating is not coming from there. So, yeah. like you say, yeah. Yeah. Well, an another thing I was going to tell you, I, I noticed that you and I have something in common, and that is we both have a business background, but we turned yeah. <laughs> we turned that we have this passion for healthy living. So right. I think that's kind of cool. So when, I, you know, when, yeah, when did you I didn't know that. Book? I didn't know that. Um, so you did your commerce degree or? I have a master's in business. So. Master's. Okay, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. It's funny, hey, how you take certain paths and then... Yes. It sometimes leads somewhere else. Um, yeah, I mean, I started, I was working in, um, I, I graduated and started working in the business world, and I was actually in sales and marketing, and uh, I was always talking about food. <laughs> and people would come and talk to me, because at that point, I was vegan, and people would come and talk to me about, you know, what's that, or how do you do this? And I'd talk about it, and they'd say, wow, yeah, you should really do something with that. You seem really interested <laughs> in it. <laughs> And the longer I stayed there, I was just becoming really flat out, not into my work and thought there has to be something else. And uh, we moved out west. And when we did, I just sort of felt like it was a new beginning. And, and why not pursue what I was doing at the time? My husband's father had had a heart attack and there they went through a whole transition because his cardiologist suggested a vegetarian, pretty much a plant based diet. And. At that time, and we were living where we grew up in Newfoundland, it was, I mean, that was just rare. It just did not happen that a cardiologist would say, I think you need to change your diet. Like, wow. that was unheard of. So it was actually quite shocking. When I look back, it, it was one of those, you know, sort of like universal things that you don't even expect to happen because now you can understand if a cardiologist recommends it. The world is changing. The word is out there. But this was... Um, this was about 15 years ago in a small town 
in Newfoundland, Canada. And it just, yeah, it was a little surreal. So they came to us and said, we want to change and how do we do this? And they basically overhauled their diets um, after that episode and, and started eating plant-based. And eventually they kind of changed down the road and incorporated fish, but they initially started out eating fully plant-based and a low-fat diet because they were following the Dean Ornish program. Yep. So uh, that's when I started writing my recipes because I thought, well, this is the time to do it. We've moved. This is a yeah. new start. I'm, I want to do something different. And, and I was just putting pen to paper at the time and, and putting things together. And that was really the journey. That was my first book, The Everyday Vegan, back in like 2001. And then when we had babies, it was kind of like every book, there was a baby. <laughs> every baby, there was a book. Yes. And I just... After a while, I stopped that. <laughs> Both <laughs> the babies, babies and the books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the babies, anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that was the beginning. And, so, uh, how and, did your father-in-law's numbers change? Did it help him? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like he, um, he completely changed. It was life transforming for him and his wife, actually, because. They they were in their 60s and she had really bad asthma mm -hmm. and they both dropped some weight that they needed to lose and she didn't have to use her asthma medication anymore wow. or inhalers. Yeah, and his all of his like, you know, numbers and his health really improved his cholesterol and, and he started exercising, light walking and yoga and that kind of thing. And he just really became, they became very active elderly people. It was surprising that they were doing... Um, long, long walks all the time, and uh, just really, it, yeah, it was it was life transforming for them. Um, so it was one of those stories that, yeah, you can change your life through your diet. It was you know, pretty you're just remarkable. so lucky, though. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I run into, um, family members or friends that have some kind of health condition, and they just. They're just not interested in changing their diet. Yeah. It's really, really hard to feel like you know the answer to help them, but they, yeah. they're just not interested. Well, yeah, I mean, it's really one of those things that you either want to take yeah. that responsibility and make that personal change, which is not easy for everyone, right? And right. and either you want to do that because you, you see a better place for yourself or you just say, no, I, I want to go the other route. And... Yeah, it doesn't. It's not an, a given for everybody that they want to make those personal changes that do require work, right? Right. Once you get it, it's easy. Once yeah. you're you've changed, it's not hard. But it's that initial uh, unknown, sort of the fear factor of the unknown world of food ahead. I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so I wrote a post um, a little while ago called 10 Ways to Be Vegan," and a lot of people misunderstood my point, or you know, they <laughs> got frustrated because you know there's only one way to be vegan you know but um, one of those <laughs> ways I mean I was just trying to point out that um, I, I like to be inclusive in the vegan movement yes. and making sure that you know if you if you want to do the VB6 program where you're vegan before six every day I'm happy for you I'm really I'm happy to have anybody who wants to be a participant in the vegan movement um, and one of the ways that I talked about was plant-based vegan, which is something I think you have a really good uh, area of knowledge about, which is, you know, mostly focusing your diet on plants. I think that's such a great thing to consider. And it takes the health part of vegan into big consideration. And I was just wondering right. if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I mean... For me, I think that's my natural place because it's where I started. Mm -hmm. And when I started, there were not, like, we have this amazing vegan world now. You can go to just about any site to order whatever product you want. Yeah. Or most places you can pop to the grocery store and get your substitution for ice cream and yogurt yeah. and whatever, right? Yes. It's on the shelves in most stores. When I became vegan, there was nothing. I yeah. mean, I... I was lucky to get soy milk and it didn't taste very good right. and there was nothing else there was no ice creams I cried for years because there was no ice cream because <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's my favorite food and uh so in mayo oh, there was like one little small oh, jar yeah, yeah yeah I mean and it, again it, the, the first ones did not taste very uh -uh. good it gave everything a bad rap for a yeah. long time so because of that I think I started from a place of just using the basic, what I call like the basic ingredients, the nuts and seeds and uh, legumes and vegetables yeah. and just kind of finding ways to put those together. And 
Then all these replacement products and cool things came along. And we enjoy them from time to time, but they don't come into my recipes because it's really not even how I learn to cook vegan, if you know what I mean. Like it wasn't my mindset and it still isn't. It's really still all about using those. Mm. So because I came from that place of health and I really still think that way largely, that's how my recipes tend to, I guess, gravitate. And with having kids, I also want the food to be really nutritious for them. I mean, that's a big deal. And I want them to have like really nutrient dense foods as much as I can so that's I guess that's just where my foundation is and I feel that when you do that when you do that with heart I guess you really do become connected to veganism it's almost impossible not to be well it is it is possible not to be I guess you yes you you don't have to be connected to being vegan but I think once you start and you learn again it's it's hard to turn your back on that right yeah. So now that there are more vegan products, do you do some processed vegan products? Oh, for sure. I mean, we eat, and I talk about this in my books, we eat probably a, you know, 80 to 90% whole foods diet, mm-hmm. but we're in the real world and yeah. we have kids and those kids go to school where you can't have nuts and you can't have certain yeah. classes, can't have this. So yes, I may throw a slice of day in their sandwich some days. Or, you know, we went way last week for spring break for a few days. And so I brought some veggie burgers and things like that because it's not, you know, you're just not in your own environment for a few days and you want to enjoy your time. So, yeah, we sure do. And I've got popcorn out there and, you know, all those things for when they go to movies, they take the Earth Balance popcorn to movies so that they can enjoy it with their friends and share it with their friends. So I want them to feel the norm of their world right. and not just the vegan in their world, you know? Uh, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, in terms of what I cook and what I make for them, like in terms of snacks and meals, it's really about using all those whole foods. It's interesting too. I found like, um, I have moments or times where we've got a lot going on and we'll have a lot more of the vegan processed foods and then yeah. I return back to the plants and I feel so much better again. <laughs> yeah, because they're so nourishing, right? I'm yes. really like, I mean, I can eat something like a sweet potato and it feels like it really nourishes me and, yeah. and it's so satisfying and it's the yeah. simplest thing. It's just a baked sweet potato and maybe have it with quinoa or some yeah. beans or something like that. But it's just that real you know, like deep nourishing food that you wouldn't get if you ate a bag of popcorn or you know, veggie burger, really. Yes, exactly. Uh, in fact, yesterday, I just had this overly loaded uh, salad with lots of field greens. And I, I mean, I had all kinds of vegetables on top of it. And I just felt, you know, it felt so good yes. after I ate that. You're glowing, right? You're going out bouncing and glowing. (laughs) Yes, Yes, but, and it's funny how you can forget about that and then then you're right back on track again. It feels great. Yeah. So let's ask the question because you know everybody's thinking it. Where do you get your protein? Yeah. (laughs) I haven't figured it out yet. It's been 20 years. (laughs) I'm going to fall down one day. Yeah. (laughs) I I love that question, especially with kids because I'm like, Uh have you seen that I have three kids here? Yes. (laughs) And they're pretty vibrant and strong and in activities it's kind of like such a silly thing to to process now but people ask my kids that too in school sometimes they're getting it and as they get older I'm noticing they the kids are starting to ask it it's almost like the parents are asking it at home so the kids repeat it it's one of those things you know it's kind of probably coming from the home environment and so yeah they're getting it from beans and quinoa but even potatoes and bananas nuts and seeds and yeah everything we're eating essentially and so every really it's pretty much everything they're eating they're getting it in some form just like they're getting other nutrients in those foods and so that's how I feel I never monitor their protein I never go okay they had this for breakfast that's eight grams and this for lunch just never do that yeah you don't need to I was so glad to hear, I don't know if you follow Ray Cronice at all, but he um, has studied, you know, food and nutrition. And basically, he just dispelled that whole protein. We don't have to worry about it. It's not about that at all. So I was really happy to hear that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But let's go back to your kids, because I think this is an important topic for people to think about. And that is, you know, 
it's one thing for you to choose to be vegan and it's another when it comes to your family. So I'm just curious mm. how it is that you um, uh, broached that or brought that up or, or just guided your children along that path. For sure. That question has come to me many times. And I actually, I wrote a blog post about it one time because, uh, you know, I've had some people comment, oh, you're forcing it on your kids. <laughs> and, and my response to that is, we essentially as parents, I mean, we force all yeah. of our ideologies on our kids. Like that's parenting. Right. Now, not that we're forcing them, but we're essentially bringing them up in our environment. Yeah. So they're learning a whole host of patterns of behaviors and exposure to sports and music and arts and religion everything that comes from us it's at late you know later in life it comes from their peers as well but initially that is all from us that's what parenting is about so we make choices for them early in those early years the best we we feel is you know appropriate for them and so i think that once you look at it from that perspective you see that that is part of parenting and for me that decision is not just based on ethics it's also based on their health and how i feel they will develop and grow as healthy mature humans with good judgment you know it's it's a whole package and i've noticed that my kids as they get older they're really attached to that ethical point of view and they're seeing the environmental aspect of eating this way as well I, I think it's one of those things that you can look at it both ways but once you see it from that perspective where we're making all those choices for our kids until yeah. they're old enough to make the choice themselves. And right. if they later in life say, I don't want to do this, there's nothing I can do about that. That's their choice then. They're adults, right? Right. I don't think they will. I see they're very connected to it, but that will be their choice if they do. Right. And just they know that they have your respect and love no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like other choices they will make in life. They will make choices, lots of choices that we won't love when it comes to, you know, what they're doing, maybe their careers, who they're with, who they're hanging out with. And we have to try to guide them the best that we can. That's parenting. And I don't know, part of it is going to (laughs) suck. Well, you know, what's the alternative that you, you know, stuff them with chicken nuggets and french fries and... (laughs) Right. Yeah. And my kids really do. I, like I've said it so many times, I, and it sounds, I don't know, it sounds like I'm just saying it, but it's true. They love their food. I mean, I can't keep them in enough food. <laughs> they always want to be eating stuff. And I just see it as like they really have a good appreciation for real food now. It's not like they just love the junk that a lot of kids are seeing in, in the early years. They really love good food. So, yeah, they also want to have gummy bears at Easter or want to have chocolates at Christmas or whatever else, but they also want to sit down and eat a bowl of quinoa and, you know, tofu or yeah. beans and guacamole. Like they love all that stuff. I think that's a really great moment as a parent when your child asks for something and what they want is healthy and it feels really good. Yes. Yes. They're, and I think because they, you know, kids sort of follow that natural bodily thing that goes on where you say, oh, I've had enough of that and I really need something good now. As adults, I think we ignore that a little bit and mm-hmm. we just keep giving into whatever our patterns are or, you know, our cravings for more uh, artificial things perhaps. But kids really respond to that natural cue of, no, I need, I'm, I like, I'm thirsty. So sometimes they, they'll want fruit because it's very, very refreshing and and hydrating. Yeah. They may not say I want water, but they'll love to have oranges and watermelon, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, yeah, they follow that. What if you were working with somebody who is transitioning to vegan and they have children at home and the kids weren't necessarily used to that diet? How would you recommend that they handle that? Well, and that comes up a lot because I have a, um, a group on Facebook. It is called Plant Powered Families, like uh-huh. the book. And so it's where everyone can ask questions and kind of support one another and, uh, you know, get suggestions on things. And so there are a number of families there that are trying to transition and either they're vegan and their kids are a little bit older and they're not really wanting to accept it. Or maybe one of the family members, like the mother's vegan, trying to get the dad on, <laughs> on board. So it's definitely a little bit more of a challenge, I think, than when you bring them up in the diet. And this is what they know. Like my kids were to take a glass of cow milk now and 
they would find that revolting, even the smell. I think they would be disgusted oh, yeah. by it, right? It's yeah. just one of those things. So I always encourage people to, one, to not make too much of a big deal about it. Like sometimes we really announce it, like we are doing this now. <laughs> we're going to take this new path and we're going to be, you know, super healthy and New yeah. Year's resolution or whatever. <laughs> and that can throw everybody off. Yeah. It's just too much to take on. So one, you know, just chill out with it and not to sneak necessarily, but just incorporate in your meals. Like instead of using, and I think these vegan replacements are so good for transition. Like instead of using the ground beef, then use the ground round in your spaghetti sauce and just yes. see how it goes over. Yeah. Don't make a big deal. And then really look at the foods they love. Like my family love, I mean, they love potatoes so much <laughs> that I could pretty much put anything potato on the table and they'd be happy and it wouldn't need to be anything else going on there but a lot of potatoes and so if you have a you know something like that they really love if they really love um you know burritos or tacos or potatoes or whatever it is then to kind of focus on those really loved foods to build up on right Mm -hmm. and and either find recipes that have them like for me i'd probably search out potato recipes or um, just work them into meals more so that it's already something they love rather than going out making like an eggplant lasagna, (laughs) which, you know, a lot of people aren't eggplant lovers. Right. You know, you know what I mean? So just build on the foods that you already know they love and then work in some uh, new vegan ingredients bit by bit rather than throwing all these new foods that might be disarming. I love that. And I also feel like you could look at it as a progression, right? Like, um, use a lot of those uh, products that are out there, like um, the vegan cheeses and the because that I think, uh, recreates the the dish in a way that feels really comfortable and tastes really good and and then slowly let your taste buds progress and then, um, you know, evolve to becoming more plant based. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Because the taste buds do develop and open up. I sort of feel like they open up after you get rid of dairy. It's true. Yeah. And and you start to realize how much flavor food can have from things like citrus and herbs yeah. and just like come alive. And with kids, I've noticed, so we our kids right now are s- s- almost seven. She's six and almost seven, 11 and almost 15. So the 15-year-old will eat very much what we eat like full range she loves salad she'll dig into all that the middle girl is still kind of working into the salads it's a bit of a chore youngest she's just forget lettuce is not happening so it's you know green smoothies and finding ways to get the greens in but that comes with time and i think if you keep presenting it like just not saying okay it doesn't work forget it just keep presenting it and then over time they do accept it because like we said they're their palates are evolving. It's not really a normal, not normal, but I don't think it's particularly natural that kids will love greens. Right. Some may, but I, I think a lot of kids notice that bitterness. So, um, so yeah, it's a development thing. Yeah, I have a great story about taste buds that change because pizza was the hardest thing for me to give up. It was like one of the last things. And right. so I finally switched over to vegan mozzarella and um, then like, Fast forward several years down the line, and I met my cousin. We have a local restaurant here called Waldo Pizza, and they do vegan pizza. And so I went, met her there, and it was kind of darkly lit, and I ordered the vegan cheese, and it came, and I thought it looked kind of funny, but I don't know. It was dark, like I say. I took one bite, and I just knew immediately it was rubbery, it was oily, it was... I did not like it at all. <laughs> oh, that was the first the first round of vegan cheeses that came out, right? Yes. Yeah. Vegan mozzarella, yeah. Yeah, they were bad. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> but now it's really good stuff. You've got options oh, yeah. to choose from. Our grocery store offers two different kinds of, of vegan cheese. Exactly. And it is much better, so much better. I mean, the, the I don't know how it was so bad initially. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny when you think about it because uh, we were all sort of experimenting with it and trying it but it was just nasty yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it really gave vegan cheese a bad rap for a long time but yeah it's come such a long way and now there's I, I mean there's so many choices it's it's mind-blowing really my cousin even ended up trying the vegan cheese uh, you know that I shared with her and she loved it she said you know 
um, she pointed out the same thing that cow's milk mozzarella ha has all that oil in it and it's yeah. rubbery and um, she felt like it was a much cleaner tasting pizza as a result. You could taste the actual other ingredients on it. So. Yeah, and that's something that happens is you really do notice the other flavors when yes. you remove the cheese. And I was one of those cheese heads. Like, I loved the yeah. dairy. And I used to order pizza with extra cheese. And <laughs> I'd always get extra cheese sauce on a potato or on fettuccine or something like that. Like, it was dairy. Yes. I was the dairy queen, I think. And... Uh, <laughs> But when I when you talk about it in that term, I remember that that sort of rubbery uh, sense of mozzarella, and it would almost be gagging and really gross. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Almost kind of curdled, like. Yes. In a way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What so, were we all doing? <laughs> no, what were we doing? But it's just an example. I feel like if there's anybody that feels like, oh my gosh, I can't give this up, if you give yourself time. Uh, mm -hmm. I just feel like um, getting used to a plant-based diet, you know, it really does change your taste buds in a great way. Totally. And it really does take, I think it takes about a month to be off dairy to, yeah. to have that experience, about yeah. three or four weeks, I think. Yep, I agree. Okay, so let's talk about plant-powered family in another way. And that is, um, how do you handle other people's kids? Because I imagine that they come over sometimes to play, right? <laughs> <laughs> do you ever feel I mean like I would get this question when, when my daughter would have friends over like oh why are you vegetarian or why are you vegan and it if I always feel worried about that answer like am I does it come across as I'm preaching to some other child <laughs> yeah it's a it's a tricky balance of sharing information and oversharing you don't want so much to go back to the parents yeah. that they feel violated or something yes, exactly and when the kids when I have kids over that are not vegan and not really exposed, even exposed to it. I really tend to go with the, what I, you know, like sort of call the safe foods, like lots of fruit, maybe cookies, because, yeah. you know, people don't know if cookies vegan or not. Not right. if it's a good cookie. Exactly. <laughs> it's a bad cookie, maybe, but if it, not if it's a good <laughs> vegan cookie. <laughs> and, you know, popcorn and things like that, that kids just love anyway. So right. that's not when I bring out the, the, you know, veggie nuggets or the uh, tofu or even beans, because usually kids are not that exposed to them. Um, I have had some of the a little older kids now, they, uh, you know, may say, is this vegan and really concerned about whether it is? Yes. And my thought process at the time is, well, yes, everything in your house, in this house will be <laughs> vegan. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like I'm hearing their parents talking. Yes. Like I know that their parents have probably had the vegan conversation in their house and saying, oh, I wonder what they put in that. That one uh -huh. stays weird. Yes. <laughs> and it filters down to the kids, right? So I can almost hear that skepticism in their voice from yes. the parents. Is that vegan? Uh -huh. <laughs> and it might be like um, popcorn, like I say, or <laughs> fruit. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> So uh, I try not to get too much into the actual reasons that we're vegan. I have had it asked, and I usually just say something like, you know, we really feel like it's the best choice for us. It's really healthy, and it's kind to animals, and just keep it really simple Yeah. Uh, and not go into it too much. Um, Bridget, our middle girl, did a speech in school this year about why not to eat meat or dairy, and I, that was really interesting. She It was her idea to do it. They had to pick topics. And so she's in grade, uh, well, actually, it was last year. She was in grade five. And uh, she said, Mom, I want to do this speech. And I kind of said, are you sure? <laughs> I was a little afraid for her that she was going to take this on. But she did. And it was really, she kept it really simple, but presented some of the basic facts, like why we shouldn't eat meat and dairy. And she was able to present it then to the next, or it was like a couple of levels of speeches. So she then presented it to parents and and faculty in the gym and um i was just really proud of her because it wasn't my i don't push them to do that yeah. it was but she's really really connected to that whole animal you know compassion side of things and uh so they get it in their own way and they can even you know they don't need us to always speak up for them too i found that when they're in these situations with their friends at school they can usually handle it pretty well even without being over the top, they know how to feel things pretty well as they get older. Oh, that's great. And and like yeah. you say, that gives them opportunity to stretch their own um, independent thinking or problem solving skills. That's important. 
Totally. Yeah, I, I, that's a big issue now with parenting because I feel like we all want to run in and help all the, the time. Hover, the hovering yes. parent, yes. Yes. I mean, come on, let's let them yes. figure things out. Exactly. <laughs> My daughter, um, actually, you know, when she was in high school, she, she would kind of go back and forth when her friends when she'd go over to her friends and they'd all they would order pizza she would have a slice of, of cheese pizza because she just felt like she wanted to fit in and I totally get that I never yep. you know I felt like that was her call to make and you know now yep. she wouldn't do that at all but you know at that time she you know definitely went back and forth a little bit well yeah and I find that with our older girls because they play hockey and sometimes they're if they go on tournaments yeah. or they're um, doing something as a team and the girls just want to order fries and stuff like that. And I'm totally, yes, it's fine because they want to be part of the scene, right? They just want to feel yeah. like they're part of things and not, yeah, not tote the chickpeas or the, <laughs> you know, the uh, avocado sandwiches or whatever. They just want to get what the other kids are getting. And it's really junky, but it's like, okay, but the other kids are eating junk that night too. It's just one night in a yes. month or something, right? Yes, you don't want to feel yeah. like the odd kid out that one night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. I mean, I feel that way sometimes myself when oh, we go to totally. family dinners or whatever. I, I try not to make a big deal about, I mean, I, I, I'll have the salad or whatever, and I, I just try not to make a big deal about things. Yeah, so yeah. I can totally get it from a, a teenager. <laughs> yes, where, where the social life is such a huge component of their world. It's almost everything at that age. It is. Oh, it's so yeah. true. It's so true. Yeah. So I oftentimes, I mean, kind of changing gears a little bit here, I notice that a lot of people gravitate towards uh, a particular diet, like a particularly, you know, like vegan diet as an approach to weight loss. That I'm just curious if that's an approach that you've heard from people a lot about veganism. Is it a tool or a mechanism to lose weight? I mean, I think I hear it a lot because of my approach to cooking that using the whole foods. Generally, if you eat this way with a lot of whole foods, you will come to a more natural weight and lose weight and shed pounds that you were carrying that were, you know, excessive. Yeah. But I don't, you know, the, the, again, that's one of those things where it's confused because you can eat vegan and gain weight. People oh, do. Yeah. Totally, and because Oreos uh, are vegan and Lay's potato that's chips. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And you know, so I, I mean, it's not an approach that I take. I don't design recipes for weight loss. I just design recipes that are wholesome and healthy. And sometimes, yes, they're low fat. And sometimes, I do choose to make them, um, you know, richer or or lower fat, depending on what it's for. Like if it's a special occasion, yeah, I want a birthday cake to taste rich and delicious. Yeah. Um, but I also may make a salad or a soup that's incredibly low fat, but that's just how it happens to be. So that's, I think I hear a lot of that because I'm connected to people that come to my recipes for that reason, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, they're there for the healthy plant-based weight loss recipes, but it's not what I'm, do it's not mo what my motivation is, I guess. Well, and the thing is, you can eat a lot of plants for just a little bit of calories. <laughs> That's right. That's yes. right. Yeah, you can. And you'll fill up easy. I mean, if you're eating things like quinoa and sweet potatoes and beans and um, rice and oats, you will fill up pretty quickly yes. um, eating all those nourishing foods. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, it, you know, feeds the whole gut bacteria and all that. Yeah. There's just so many good benefits of eating plant-based. Yeah. At the same time, we can sit down and polish off about eight avocados in our family at one meal. So <laughs> that, you know, that's not necessarily like, you know, low fat or obviously no. low calorie, but hey, it's yummy and it's part of our diet. So how do you do that? Do you like, will you like slice it over a salad or? or My kids are in my kids are insane about avocado and it, I feel like a broken record when I say that because I've been saying it forever, but they really are. They would put avocado on just about everything except for cereal, I think, and <laughs> be happy. Like if I'm having soup, I'm at a point now where I'm saying, no, I'm not taking out the avocado tonight, okay? <laughs> 
because they just love it. They usually just um, top it on something. Um, sometimes we'll mash it up and like make a guacamole if we're doing something that's like tacos or chili. Uh, but a lot of times if they're having a, a stew or a casserole or something like uh, beans, a bean dish, they want it just chopped up and a little squeeze of lemon and lime on top. And I've got this middle girl who's a, my citrus kid and she says, mom, do you have any lemon? Do you have any lime? And I'm like, come on, can you just eat your lunch or eat your supper? <laughs> It doesn't have to be an ordeal. It's just lunch. (laughs) I've made them foodies. It's my own fault. So... Yes, I I see that in my daughter too. It's like sometimes, and my husband is very particular about how he he was vegan before I was, so he oh okay, it's kind of unusual story there. But yeah, he he is very particular about his lunches, and the bread has to be toasted, and so sometimes oh. each meal can feel like an ordeal. Right, I know it's it's time we just throw back at them and say, just do it yourself. Like yeah, yes. you do it your way. I'm going out now. <laughs> Yeah. But I like that idea of adding adding like an avocado slices or, or chunks to a soup because like sometimes like on a chili or I like to have sour cream on top or I, do, I mean, mm-hmm. I do vegan sour cream, but the idea of an avocado adds that kind of creaminess to it. Well, and I think for kids, that's why they love it. And I think because they do need more calories as they're growing than we do, yeah. that they're probably asking for it for a reason. I mean, part of it's probably habit, but part of it's also probably they just want that extra caloric density. Yes. And yeah, so they do love it, but they really put it on anything. I mean, yeah. Do you have a favorite family meal that you go to a lot? Oh, you know, um, I do a lot of macaroni bakes and I have a couple of sauces that one is in plant part families it's called magnificent and then another one is mac ogs from my other from let them eat vegan but i don't tend to use the recipe per se anymore because once you've made it enough you kind of get the average proportions and i'm always mixing it around so that's one like we had that last night and they really love that but my kids love beans and lentils so i do a lot of lentil stews and lentil tomato sauces for pasta or um lentil casseroles i guess and bean casseroles to have just in a bowl with bread or to have on top of rice or quinoa or something like that and sweet potatoes and potatoes i can always make a meal if i have like something simple like lentils if i put sweet potatoes or potato fries around it do some home fries they're all good all good so as long as i have potatoes in the in the pantry i can I can make a meal, I think. <laughs> I think I think you're right. I used to be a huge French fry person and I love French fries. But once you get used to making them at home and like you say, home, you know, baking them in the oven instead of frying and they're so much better. They're so good and they're so you really taste the potato. One of my kids mentioned that actually recently. It was we went to a restaurant a few months back and she's they were eating fries and I love them and she said and then then a couple of nights later I made my home fries and she said, You know, Mom the fries were great at the restaurant, but you really taste the potato when you eat them this way. And I said, yeah, you do. You really do. And it's a different enjoyment to actually taste that potato. And they are far more satisfying. I mean, you can sit and eat so many fries and still not quite be satisfied. Yeah, exactly. So what about eating out? Is it hard to find places that you can eat out together? Um, here in our actual small, because we're not in a super small town, but we're not in we're about an hour from vancouver bc which there is a lot i mean there are lots of restaurants and cafes and great places in the city but my husband commutes to the city every day for work so when he comes home we don't tend to go back to the city or even going on the weekends because the kids are in activities so we uh i cook most nights and we'll occasionally order in a vegan pizza and i've noticed a lot of the pizza places now are bringing in daya so that's awesome because yep. we can get veggie pizzas and just have them throw daya on it before we just wouldn't get any cheese we just order it with veggies and and just have it that way or maybe top it with some cashew cheese at home or mm. even again avocado <laughs> <laughs> Avocado on pizza is really good or an avocado sauce. And so, but really in our area, there's not, but that's what we tend to do. We order in pizza or I do some shortcuts so I don't have to cook like really intense meals all the time. Just, you know, throw things together really quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it works. We'll go into the city once every four or five months, something like that. So are you cooking every day or do you do do batch cooking sometimes on the weekends? Yeah, I do that too. I try to batch cook things. It, trouble is my kids really eat a lot of food now. And 
as they get older, yes. they, yeah, you, you kind of get in a groove with making a certain amount of food. And then all of a sudden they hit these great growth spurts as they approach teen years and they can eat as much as, you know, a grown, I don't know, weightlifter. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they can really eat a lot of food and if they're active. So I do a lot of stews and soups that I can get another portion out of. Hummus, mm-hmm. when I make hummus, I always make a huge amount and freeze it. And people always ask about that. You can freeze hummus, but yeah, it freezes so well. And nut cheeses, I'll make those and freeze those. And if I do some baking, I usually try to make extra pop in the fridge or in the freezer. Um, if I cook beans from scratch, I'll always make a lot and put those in the freezer. So things like that. And then I have a post I'm going to be doing about this soon. But when I buy something like I might buy baked beans or a pre-made soup that's vegan, Mm -hmm. I'll stretch that. Like if I bring that home, I'll make a meal out of it by adding extra things. So if I buy a pre-made soup, I might add some frozen um, sweet potato and corn and beans to that soup. And all of a sudden it feeds a family, whereas it wouldn't have because it was a small I love that idea. It's almost yeah, like a we, meal starter at that point. Yes, it's like it gives you the base. It gives you the flavor yes. and the base. Because sometimes you buy soups and it's all liquid. There's not much, <laughs> you know, heft in there. So if you throw in, if you have things like sweet, uh, frozen sweet potato or frozen squash, peas, corn, that kind of thing, and you can add beans, and then sometimes I'll throw in greens at the end. And really, then you've got a meal in a bowl. Or you could use grains, throw in cooked grains. So if you have things like cooked grains, and I also batch cook potatoes and sweet potatoes because if I always have leftovers of those in the fridge I can work those into a meal like soup or salads or whatever Um, and even with baked beans my kids love the Amy's baked beans but when I use those I will get another can of beans and stir them in so that I'm getting much more because there's a lot of sauce and it's pretty sweet Um, so if I can add another can of beans to that I'm feeding them far more than if I just had that one can so I do that kind of thing to stretch out if I'm buying convenience foods to get a bit more out of it. Ah, that's, that's not only um, more nutrition, it's also a cost saving too. Totally. Well, you've got to find ways because they're savages. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's really good. Okay, so what's up coming up next for you? Anything that you can share? You got any more cookbooks? And, uh, yeah, you know what? I am working on a project. It's not my book. It's one of the plant-based doctors, and I'm not really able to say what it is yet until um, he releases the information, but I'm working with him, and I'm the recipe contributor, so I'm doing all of the recipes for this book, and uh, that's going to be- Are you shooting them as well? No. Oh, my gosh. I don't do my own photography. I'm not like you. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. No. I, you know, I have my iPhone for t- photography, so that is not- always the best number one and I really don't have much skill and not a lot of time to figure it out so I have worked with uh, photographers like Nicole Axworthy I think Uh you know Nicole and yeah and uh, Marika I work with her now a little bit so uh, yeah I I keep it to just the recipe creation for this book it won't be photos it's more of a a diet health book with Uh the recipes in the book um so yeah so that'll be out i think next spring and i'll be sharing information on that when how it comes. is that do you like collaborating more than doing your own cookbook or what it's fun because it's just doing the creative part without having to configure how this book is going yeah. to what be a little different or yeah. how it's going to look what's going to you know what i mean like mm-hmm. looking at that whole marketing side of things which publishers want you to do it's it's a it's a stress relief in a way. It's just doing the creative component, which we usually enjoy to do. That's where we started. For me, that's what I love to do. Yeah. And yeah, so it's fun. It's just creating it and and getting to test it out and eat it and have others. I have others testing it too, and not having to look at how it's going to fit together in a book. That's great. I can't wait to hear more when you're able to share more news about that. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Okay, so here we are at the end of the interview, and I just have a couple of fun, quick questions for you. So what's one food item that you can't live without? And I think we have to rule out avocados. Yes, okay. (laughs) Personally, oh gosh, my list will be too long, but sweet potatoes, I'll say sweet potatoes. Aren't they the best? They really are. They are, and they're so versatile. I mean, yeah. And they're so quick cooking. Mm Mm-hmm. So what's the favorite way you cook? I always bake them. I always bake them whole. I don't even, well, I will make home fries and stuff, but 
I always bake them whole too because they get so rich in flavor and could, like concentrated in their sweetness. Mm-hmm. And then I use them in purees for sauces and pasta bakes and soups and desserts and just about everything. So they're high on my list. Ah, you're just making me hungry just thinking about mm. it. Sounds good. <laughs> okay, do you have a favorite workout that you do? Ah, that's interesting. I do. I do a little bit of exercise every day. I do either yoga or I have a rebounder. It's called the Bellicon rebounder. Uh So I either do about 15 minutes on the rebounder or about a 15, 20 minute yoga exercise. I just need like a little something every morning and then I'm good. 15 minutes on a rebounder sounds like fun. If you've got some right good music playing, it's great. It is. And then now you can go to YouTube and just get all these different like workouts and dance workouts. And I'll just do them on the rebounder. It's lots of fun. The kids think I'm crazy, but hey, they're going to think that anyways. (laughs) It's good to be a little crazy, I think. (laughs) Totally. So what inspires you? What inspires me? Oh, my gosh. Um, You know, as I'm in my 40s now, because I'm 45, I sort of feel that I'm now inspired by what has really challenged me in the past, if that makes sense, that I feel like um, I've I've looked at what's been really rough for me in the past and what I've felt like have been hard times. And now I feel like if I could do that and I could get through that, I can do this too. So I'm kind of inspired by my own hard times in a way and Mm. seeing how everybody in the last couple of years, I've come to see that everybody's got their own stuff, you know, like their own hard stuff they deal with. And we all are on a path. So that just is kind of inspiring to me to see that we all have to work through things, but we can do it with kindness to each other and, and find passion in our lives. And yeah, that's kind of like, it helps get you through things. That's beautiful. So Drina, how can people find you online? I am on plantpoweredkitchen.com and, of course, on all the social media that we love. <laughs> love to hate sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> the same, your Plant Powered Kitchen on across all of those? Mostly, yeah. Plant Powered Kitchen is my site. And then on Facebook, I'm uh, Plant Powered Kitchen and my name, Drina Burton, on Twitter and everywhere else. But if you're on my site, you can link to all of those anyhow. Oh, that's right. Okay. Drina, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. I had a great time. I did too. Thanks, Marley. Thanks to Drina for being my guest on today's episode of the Namely Marley podcast. If you'd like more information about today's show, just head over to the show notes page at namelymarley.com forward slash podcast. Tune in next week as I talk to Elizabeth O'Connell about her book, The American Plate, A Culinary History and 100 Bites. It's a must read before you head out to your next dinner party. I couldn't believe how many fun food facts there are in this book, including foods that originated in the North Americas uh, and other foods that didn't. They were all very surprising to me. So I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with you. I hope you're loving the Namely Marley podcast. If so, there are a couple of ways you can help support the show. You can head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review. You can share this episode uh, with your friends and family on social media, or you can also share about it on your blog or podcast. All of these are helpful and they really mean a lot. So until next time, may health and happiness come your way today. Mm